Welcome to Audacity Works, a podcast inspired by and dedicated to the working artist, the creative entrepreneur, and generally doing the damn thing. This exists on the premise that the world belongs to those who have the audacity to believe that their lives have value. This is for you. Welcome to Audacity Works. I am your host, Rachel Strickland, and this is episode number 59, in which we're going to discuss No Work December, as well as attend to an audience question. So it is uh, December. We're almost halfway through, which seems too soon to me, but whatever. Uh, And I am doing No Work December, and I want to really be clear about what that means, because I know that the picture it paints is inaccurate. The picture it paints is that I sit on my ass and do nothing but binge watch Netflix. And there is some of that, to be fair. But that is not what No Work December means. And I've addressed this before. I'll, I'll link in the show notes to the episode that I did last year about No Work December. But things have changed a little bit, and uh, and I want to update and be clear about that. So what it is, No Work December is uh, very intentionally designing uh, life, setting up some systems in place so that you can take December, this long, cold, dark month, full of, you know, usually a bunch of family obligations, social obligations, holiday bric-a-brac, and, and actually just not work so much. But that's not a good definition because if you tell someone just don't work so much, that's not quantifiable in any kind of meaningful way. So let's be super clear about what it is that I am talking about. For me specifically, uh, it means no client fulfillment. So I don't run a cycle of the Audacity Project in December. I I don't have any VIP clients. I'm not setting up meetings to solve problems actively one-on-one with people. And that's the thing that I don't do in December. And the effect of that for me is these things. I do have a hell of a lot more time in December and what I can use it for are other parts um, of life and, and of my business that I have less time and focus to give to um, for the rest of the year, like uh, making content and only making content that I think is fun, uh, recording podcasts. And of course, I only record podcasts that I think are interesting because that's kind of my whole shtick is like, do what you think is interesting. So I lean pretty heavy into that. I get to work on my art quite a lot. I have a photo shoot set up tomorrow. It's local. Remember what I said a couple episodes ago about if there's not a room for you locally, create a room. We're creating a room. We're doing a big photo shoot uh, here on Tuesday um, in the murder barn right here on my property. So that'll be fun. And just generally, life is a lot more uh, free with time. Um, my time is not so regimented. It's really quite open. And I it really refills the creative cup. Now, by the time I get back to client fulfillment and get to like sit on a call with someone one-on-one and listen to their problems, I will be dying to get back into that room. I will have missed it so much and I'll be so happy to see them. And the break is really important. So that's what no work December looks like to me. No client fulfillment. And I'm also not launching anything 
So customer service is not really a thing that's happening in my life during December because I'm using that time for other things. And yes, that includes binge watching things um, on the couch. Right now it's six feet under because it's on Netflix and I love it. And also letting Burn take naps on my lap. Burn is my cat if you're new here. Now, the reasons that I do no work December um, might seem obvious from the outset, but one of them is just that the, the main thing that I do, the Audacity Project, does not work well in December because people are distracted by social obligations and by the holidays. And also, you know, it's winter. It's cold. It's dark. Nobody feels like doing shit. We just want to eat soup and lay around. And rather than pretend that that's not true, I was like, what, what would happen if we just leaned into that? As well, I'm very much a seasonal creature. Um, I do not expect myself to have the same amount of output all the time because I don't. Uh, and just really intentionally creating space in my life to refill the cup by giving myself lots more downtime and a really open schedule is very, very helpful for that. So this year, if you've been around, you know I experimented with a a much less work summer. <laughs> and if you were here, you know what happened. I ran out of money. Uh, it, it was okay. It wasn't catastrophic or anything. But I'm like, huh, well, that's what happens if you just like don't do shit uh, during the summer because I had made no arrangements for it. But so what I want to do next year is I'm going to continue to do no work December and I'm also going to do a no work June. What that means is I'm going to be working my ass off the rest of the year um, to allow for that, to allow for my seasonality. It's not something that just happens. Uh, I'm going to have to uh, try. I'm going to have to try really hard to make that work in a way that sustains my life because that's the name of the game. Like That's what I'm aiming for is sustainability. I don't want to be happy some of the times. I want to feel great all the time. And of course I won't because I'm human, but I want to give myself the best chance that I have to do the things that I want to do when I want to do them with who I want to do them for as long as I want to do them. And even though I tried really hard to do that by burning myself out uh, for the first seven years of my career, turns out it didn't work out for me in a sustainable way. So now we're doing this. And I think one of the reasons I like it so much is that it's not common. I've always enjoyed things that aren't common. I like thinking outside of the box. Uh, I like looking at a situation and knowing that it's not ideal and thinking what could be an unusual way to solve this problem. And especially if that solution doesn't seem like it would ever be able to work, then that makes it very attractive to me. Also, none of this would work if I didn't have an experimental approach um, to my life. But I think everything is an experiment. So um, sometimes they fail, sometimes they don't. This one, this one lands good. This one works for me. And I've gotten several messages from people saying they, they want to do a No Work December 2, and it's totally, totally possible. And might you need to use some savings to make things meet in December once you're first trying it? Yeah, you might. That's what savings are for. But the, if you're going to be stressed out all month, then there's no point. Uh, so really being honest with yourself about what you need to feel peaceful uh, is a good preliminary measure to take. 
And as a bonus side effect, you know, I used to really hate the holidays. I was a total Scrooge. And it turns out that I didn't really hate the holidays. What I hated was having to do all that holiday shit on top of working like I had been working all fucking year long already. It was just too much. It was too much shit. And it wasn't fun because I was tired. I was cranky. I didn't want to fucking do any of it. Once I started doing No Work December, guess what? The holidays became fun again. Imagine that. Revolutionary. I also want to acknowledge that this, uh, that No Work December in the way that I do it is pretty specific uh, to me and my way of life. And the reason that I'm telling you about it, um, one is because a lot of people have written to me saying, I want to do No Work December. That sounds amazing. Yes, it is amazing. You will like it. And also why I wanted to clarify exactly what that means to me, because if someone hears No Work December and what they see in their head is laying on a beach doing nothing, that's called vacation. We call that vacation. And I'm not doing a vacation. I'm like living my life. Uh, I'm just not doing client fulfillment. And that is like a a big, uh, it gives me so much of an effect on my life for short periods of time, like one month. But since that it's clear that people do hear this and they're like, that sounds good. I want to do that too. Then I do want to invite you to think about ways that you in your life, the way it is right now, can honor your seasonality. How can you honor your seasonality? It might not mean you just don't go into work for a month, um, but that's also not what I'm talking about. How can you honor your seasonality? Okay, so we're going to move right along. I have a question uh, from my friend Bethy, who wrote in, and she says... I'd be super interested to hear your thoughts on transitioning from an early stages of a circus career to like mid-career. And how do you know you've got there? Which is a really interesting uh, question. And especially because in terms of residencies and grants and things that you can apply for, they determine these by using, they use terms like mid-career or, you know, late career, early career, emerging artist, and like, what do those mean? Because the definitions can be kind of ephemeral and depend on the organization uh, that's using the term in the first place. So let's take this in stages. Um, Early career, and this can also be called emerging artist, up and coming artist, early career artist, all of these terms can be used kind of interchangeably. And what that usually means is it doesn't usually mean anything because it's completely open to interpretation. So as we do here, I'm just going to give you my interpretation. Generally, if you're in the early stages of your career, you're well aware of it. It's not a surprise to you. You already know that you're an emerging artist and in the early stages of of your career. And uh, in those stages, according, you know, life according to Rachel Strickland, you would be uh, making work consistently and not necessarily Um, achieving high honors or getting awards or anything like that, but you're making consistent work. So it's less about um, measuring where you are in your career by achievement and more about process. I don't even think that it needs to be limited to education. It would be easy if you were in academia or took an academic path into your creative practice to say I'm an emerging artist because I just finished my degree in blah, blah, blah. And now I'm you know in the early stages of my career. That's pretty cut and dry. 
the only thing at this point that you may have achieved is getting a degree. Uh, but hopefully you're still making work consistently. If you're not making any work, then you're just not making any work. But what if you're not in academia and there is no degree? Because an artist, specifically a performing artist, doesn't have to wait until they finish getting educated before they start working. In fact, like those lines are really blurry in performance art. This really reminds me of uh, the Magus card in tarot. One of my favorite cards uh, and one of the things that it means is a power is ready to use as soon as it is recognized. Because I don't believe that you do need to have a master's degree and a four-year circus degree from an elite established uh, school in order to start working. I know this because I've seen hundreds of people work without those things. I'm not trying to give shade to those things. I think they're all very, very useful things. But you don't have to wait until you have a certain accomplishment under your belt before you can begin to work. You can just start working. So, yes, generally, if you're an emerging artist, you're aware of it. You know that you're an emerging artist. But what does it mean and how do you know if you're in mid-career? When are you in mid-career as an artist? And to illustrate my own opinion of this, uh, I'll give you a little story. When I did uh, the residency at the Atlantic Center for the Arts in 2021, my mentor is named Greg Deal. And Greg is an artist who, he's a performance artist and a visual artist. And much of his work uh, centers around indigenous identity. Greg is an indigenous man and belongs to the Paiute tribe. And something that he said to me about indigenous identity uh, was this. I never forgot it. That anyone can say that they belong to a tribe, right? And, and this is especially true. You know, I'm sure indigenous people have to listen to white people all the time. Be like, well, my grandma was a Cherokee princess, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, that happens quite a lot. So, okay, you can't stop people from saying that. And you can't stop people from identifying however they want to identify. Um, but what Greg said that was so profound to me is that belonging to a tribe isn't about saying, I claim this people, but what people claim you. So it wasn't about asserting, um, I, claim, I claim to be a part of this people, but what people claim you as a member of them and of their identity. Because you can claim anything, but who is going to claim you? And that's how I think of um, being in mid-career. Because when you're, in, when you're an emerging artist, hopefully you have audacity out the ass. I, that's what I hope for you, to just like endless tenacity. Um, because that's what's going to sustain you. It's a beautiful and precious force, and it should be handled with respect. And once you sort of look around and perhaps one day ask yourself the question, I might be mid-career. This might be what mid-career is. Around that time, uh, people already know that you are part of their identity. A studio will claim you. A, a, a local co-op will claim you. Like, yeah, we know them. They did this for us. Um, they're awesome. You should go work with them. So when, when you begin to have, and you already have, in a lot of ways, taken possession 
of a place, whether it's local or, you know, very expansive definition. I understand this is a really ephemeral definition, but there are no real definitions for these terms. Uh, that there's no specific amount of years that you have to practice to go from early career to mid-career. Those things don't exist. Uh, there's no specific amount of achievements that you need to have. It's all very open to interpretation. And it also, it's the thing that I don't think you need to be worrying about. I really don't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. Um, the only thing that matters is that you're making your work. You just keep making your work, keep doing what you do. But I thought it was an interesting question uh, from Bethy, and I wanted to attend to it. So to recap, early stages, you know, just be making work consistently. Mid-career, people claim you, and you have a body of work. And the... <laughs> That it's not accomplishment based, uh, it, but it is based on the consistency of you showing up um, and devoting yourself to your own artistic process. It's not even necessarily product based because what if you're only a process based artist? But there are, are um, plenty of people who identify as an artist and they do engage in their creative process, but they don't have much of a body of work, and therefore it it can be less robust for them. Because engage as they may in their creative process, they're not engaging uh, with a level of sustainability and commitment that actually allows them to say, here is a body of work. Another reason why time spent uh, isn't a good denominator. As far as uh, when have you when can you consider yourself an established artist? I don't know, you tell me I think it's really all about um, relationships and community. I mean, obviously the work has to be there, like the body of work has to be there, the consistency has to be there. But when you are an established artist, you can take big ass breaks um, with or without your consent. And when the break is over, your relationships and your community is still there. It doesn't just evaporate overnight. But I also want to repeat that uh, I don't think that any of you or anyone needs to be worrying about what career stage they are at. Um, I don't think it's a super useful thing for you to focus on, uh, although it's totally worthwhile to ask the question of ourselves. But as far as a focus, um, you know, just focus on your work. You know, go back into the studio, pick up the pen, pick up the cordelise, whatever it is that you're doing, paintbrush, and work. Just go work. That is the most reliable, surefire way to con to ensure that you continue to develop from one career level to the next is by creating work. Remember, that is your job as an artist to make your work and put your work forward. That's it. It's not easy, but it is simple. Make your work and put your work forward. Looking at the time, it is, uh, it's a lovely Monday here in South Carolina, and uh, this is, episode is going to go live on Wednesday, so that means I am going to go to the muckle gym and put up heavy things, or pick up heavy things and put them down again, rinse, repeat, and it's going to fill my brain with endorphins, and I'm going to be really happy about it. So always feel free, um, because I love hearing from you, if you have a request, uh, something that you want me to tackle here on the podcast, you can find me on Instagram at Rachel Strickland Creative or on Patreon at Rachel Strickland Creative. Um, I'll let you know next week how the photo shoot 
is going to go. I'm pretty excited about it. We have no plan. No, it's just like a bunch of us and by a bunch, I mean like five of us are going to get together and be ourselves on purpose. And also there will be photos. I want to give a shout out, especially to my patrons for making this possible and, uh, and so much more as well. Thank you so much for standing with me. If this has been useful to you, the biggest compliment you could give me would be to share it with someone that you think it could help. Until next time, friends, I hope that December is treating you gently and that you don't have too much shit to do. And whatever level of career you're at, just keep making your work and don't go back to sleep.